This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Dr. Leah Mukarzel, who is a second-year fellow at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Uh, welcome, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's absolutely a pleasure, and uh, and certainly we uh, we wanted to record this podcast following a presentation that you gave at the recent IGCS meeting in, uh, in Rio on a very interesting study, the ARIA study, Angiography at Rectosigmoid Anastomosis. Um, but I wanted to begin, if you can just kind of give us a little bit of a back background with regards to uh, what are the details regarding... Uh, endocyanin green or ICG fluorescent uh, imaging today in gynecologic cancers? Well, so interestingly, um, endocyanin green or ICG has actually been used in medicine since the late uh, 50s for a multitude of procedures. It's been used to measure cardiac output, to study anatomy of retinal vessels, and many others. The dye ICG can actually be injected into the human bloodstream with practically no adverse events. So in regards to the way it works, ICG becomes fluorescence once it's excited with very specific wavelength light in the near-infrared spectrum, which is around 820 nanometers. The fluorescence can be detected using a system of filters, lenses, and cameras that's actually attached to the end of the probe that's used in either laparoscopy or proctoscopy, and then it's transmitted to a standard monitor, which allows for identification of the anatomical structures where the dye is present. This can be biliary ducts, vessels, lymph nodes, just to name a few. So, uh, and, you know, and certainly we'll, we'll go into some of the details with regards to the uh, injection and the dosing, but I, I really wanted to start by also focusing on the study, the ARIA study that you, you did at Memorial. Um, tell us a little bit about the relevance of the study. In other words, like, why is the study important in the setting of gynecologic oncology surgery today? Well, so the reason this study is of great value and importance in the setting of gynecologic oncology surgery is because we know that approximately 45% of debulking surgeries are going to require rectosigmoid resection. And we also know that an anastomotic clique after a bowel resection is a very well-established serious complication that's very highly feared among most surgeons. And it can result in very significant morbidity and actually mortality that can range all the way up to 21%. This is often mostly secondary to sepsis. Now, traditionally, leak rates from colorectal surgery have been reported to be as high as 20 to 35%. But with the adoption of other techniques such as the air leak test and the EA stapler, these rates have dropped to 10 to 15%. More specifically, in the gynecologic literature, Grimm et al. actually reported an anastomotic leak rate of around 6.9% in patients having undergone debulking surgery for ovarian cancer that required a bowel resection. And they found that actually specifically the rectosigmoid resection seemed to be associated with the highest rate of anastomotic leaks. And we know that poor oxygenation due to diminished blood supply is believed to have a major role resulting in leakage and failed anastomoses. So then, therefore, that's where lots of efforts have been made in the search for accurate methods to assess, to assess intestinal viability and, you know, hopefully uh, be able to decrease these um, leak rates. So this is where fluorescence imaging with ICG can play a role as it has been increasingly considered a potential interoperative tool that could be used in routine practice to ensure adequate perfusion at the time of anastomosis. Given that it allows surgeons to visualize the bowel perfusion in real time and it's very fast and easy to perform. 
But the literature thus far investigating this technique has really occurred within the context of colorectal cancer. The Pillar 2 study is one of those studies that was performed in colorectal cancer. It was a prospective observational study that looked at uh, colonic anastomosis and that were evaluated using this Lorentz's angiography. And they demonstrated that with the use of this technology, the anastomotic leak rate could be decreased to as low as 1.4%. And this is in comparison to the general rate of anastomotic leaks that I mentioned earlier of 10 to 15%. So quite a drastic drop. So this prompted us to look at our own retrospective experience, which is the ARIA study. And, and Leah, um, how long have you been using the ICG in, in this type of setting for, for how many years? So around 2013 was the first time we really um, started to use it in practice. Okay. And, and particularly for, for this study, what was your uh, patient population? It sounds like these were primarily patients who were undergoing um, bowel resection can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria for the study, um, how many patients were in each group, and, and uh, what was your, your study design? So it was a retrospective study. We looked at a total of 410 patients that underwent a low anterior resection during a surgical debulking. It could be for ovarian or uterine cancer between January 1st, 2013 to December 31st, 2018. And we looked at NIR or near-infrared imaging with the use of ICG via proctoscopy uh, to assess anastomotic perfusion at the time of specifically rectoid sigmoid resections. And these were used in 133 of the cases or 32.4% of the 410 cases. The inclusion criteria really looked at all women undergoing surgery for any gynecological cancer that encompassed a rectoid sigmoid resection. And this included primary recurrent cytoreductive surgery for all stages of disease. The only exclusion criteria was really any non-gynecological indication for surgery. Okay. And, and Leah, um, now how about the technique? Uh, you know, certainly for, for we've been using ICG for uh, sentinel lymph node mapping, and I think most gynecologic oncologists are, are very used to, obviously, the, the cervical injection. But when you're evaluating the the uh, efficacy of the anastomosis and, and the vascularization. How is, how is this done? Um, how much is injected and what is the concentration of the ICG when it is injected? And then also, uh, you know, have you seen any major side effects from, from this uh, utility? Sure. So the way this technique is used is after the completion of the rectoid sigmoid resection and the anastomosis, that's when the surgeon performs the proctoscopy. And what they do is they use the pinpoint endoscopic fluorescence imaging system. They use visible or white light guidance, and the pinpoint endoscope is then inserted into the anus, and it's advanced to the staple line of the anastomosis. Then the surgeon makes sure to visualize both the proximal and distal end of the rectosigmoid anastomosis and really making sure to have that entire anastomosis in view. A bolus of ICG, it can range between 3.75 to 7.5, but typically we use 4 milligrams of ICG is then administered intravenously by the anesthesiologist. The surgeon would then assess in real time the perfusion of the anastomosis as adequate, optimal, or inadequate. And then they would decide on the surgical plan. So this could include revision of the anastomosis or to perform a diverting ostomy if the results of the imaging were concerning. 
And then Leah, um, after you inject it, how long does it take for you to actually see the adequacy of the perfusion? So it takes about 30 seconds for the dye to reach the area, and you give it about a total of one minute to really make sure that it's optimally um, reached its uh, the anastomosis. Okay. Um, so what did you find in these uh, in these two groups of patients? The 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 ones where not uh, no ICG was used, and the ones where the ICG was used. Sure. So. First, just a few um, interesting facts about both cohorts. It's just that most patients in both cohorts were for ovarian, fallopian tube, or primary peritoneal cancer, and the majority of patients in both were also for stage 3 or 4 disease. Although uh, the percent of patients having undergone pre-op chemo uh, was actually greater in the NIR group, same with prior radiation, but that was not statistically significant. And we also found similar distribution of comorbidities, including diabetes mellitus, hypertension, and current steroid use between the two groups. Um, the only thing that differed was the history of smoking uh, was greater in the non-NIR cohort as compared to the NIR. But in regards to intraoperative measures and characteristics, the median procedure time actually did not differ between the two groups, suggesting that the use of the technology did not prolong surgery. Additionally, in regards to the operative characteristics of the rectoid sigmoid resection, all patients in, our, in both groups had splenic flexure mobilization. They were performed using a stabler, stapler and underwent an air leak test um, and were reported as tension-free. And there was no significant difference between the distribution of high risk, less than 10 centimeters from the anal verge, versus low risk, greater than or equal to 10 centimeters from the anal verge in astomoses. But where there were differences that were found was between, between the cohorts was in the number of diverting ostomies, estimated blood loss, and IV fluids administered. Postoperatively, we found the following. First, the duration of hospital stay was significantly shorter, favoring the NIR cohort. And then additionally, the anastomotic leak rate was 1.5% in the NIR cohort as compared to 4.7% in the non-NIR, although this finding was not statistically significant. Also, interestingly, postoperative abscesses occurred much less in the NIR cohort at a rate of 6% versus 16% in the non-NIR cohort. Additionally, with the use of the technology, there were significantly fewer postoperative interventional procedures and significantly fewer 30-day readmissions. I just want to also mention that we did perform a univariate and multivariate analysis and the univariate analysis demonstrated five factors that were associated with the risk of anastomotic leaks and postoperative abscesses. This included FIGO staging, estimated blood loss, total IV fluids, and a diverting ostomy, as well as the NIR technique. So specifically, the use of the NIR technique was associated with a much lower odds of 0.39 to develop an anastomotic leak or post-op abscess compared to not using the technique. And then this association persisted on multivariate analysis after adjusting for the other factors of FIGO staging, estimated blood loss, and total IV fluids, and a diverting ostomy. So the multivariate analysis demonstrated that the use of NIR was associated with a 60% reduction in anastomotic leaks and post-op abscesses. So, and, and I want to go through so some of those uh, details because I had some questions. Before, before we uh, move forward, I just wanted to clarify for our audience uh, in terms of the uh, abbreviations. NIR is near infrared. 
and uh, is basically equal to the ICG group, the the NIR group being ICG group and uh, non NIR group being the non ICG group. So just so that uh, so some some of our international listeners will be able to uh, grasp uh, the uh, the the abbreviations often used here in, in the United States. Um, but um, Leah, what I wanted to ask you also, you know, I noticed that there was a greater blood loss and, and greater amounts of fluid administration. Uh, in the non-ICG group, um, why why would this be the case? Yeah, that is a very important question and uh, important to point out. You know, at this time, it remains unclear as to why there was a greater blood loss and fluid administered in the non-ICG group. Um, it could be you know, surgeon-dependent, uh, but what's important right now is that on multivariate analysis, while we corrected for these discrepancies between the groups, we were still able to find this association with the use of the technique. Um, but, yeah, it's going to require the, uh, a randomized control trial to truly um, uh, account for those factors. Yeah. And, um, and then similarly, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, the, uh, the rate of diverting ostomy. So, of course, obviously it's reassuring that it was much lower, 7% in, uh, in the group using ICG versus 20% in the group that wasn't using ICG. Um, what what do you think uh, was the, the reason for this? Sure. Um, it is possible that the visual assessment of the perfusion of the anathmosis resulted in surgeons being reassured in regards to the anathmosis, and so they decided not to divert. But again, since this is a retrospective study, it's also possible that the diverting ostomy rates are lower because the surgeons made the decision to divert earlier and did not even use the NIR method. So ultimately, only a prospective randomized trial will be able to show if the lower diverting ostomy rate is based on surgeon's reassurance after the NIR perfusion or use of ICG uh, for the anastomosis. And in the ideal scenario, the use of ICG will help us detect patients whose anastomosis are at greatest risk of leakage and at the same time detect those with the lowest risk so that the surgeon can make an objective decision regarding whether to perform a diverting ostomy. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, and there will be a lot of value for a prospective evaluation. And I think this probably kind of relates to this next question um, because I, I noticed that in terms yeah. of post-surgery procedures and readmission rates, um, these were lower in the ICG group. And, and I was wondering if you think this could be as a result of, of the true impact of using ICG or could this have been due to changes in patterns of practice pertaining to indications for the procedures or criteria for readmission at the time when ICG was not being used? Yeah, again, an excellent question and something that we will investigate further with the randomized trial. But again, we truly um, won't be able to tell whether the impact of the technology was uh, the reason for these, but there were no changes in patterns of practice pertaining to the procedure or criteria for readmission during the, the um gap of time that we collected the, the patient. And, and Leah, now, um, obviously, when you, you have a, a study like this, and, and, and of course, obviously, it potentially offers uh, a change in, in practice. And, and have the results of this study changed your approach in your institution? In other words, is every patient that has a bowel resection today having the ICG assessment at Memorial Sloan Kettering under gynecologic oncology surgery? So the adoption of the technique has definitely increased and is used by uh, the majority of surgeons at the institution, but 
it's not yet um, used across all surgeons. Um, but again, everybody is aware that we will hopefully be having an upcoming randomized controlled trial. And and of course, obviously, then as a as, as a follow up to to your answer, um, what have been some of the hesitations in the surgeons that are not using it? What what are some of the reasons they're they're telling you? I think a lot of them are concerned that it might prolong the surgery because at time the um, technology is not readily available unless you've um, requested it prior to the OR. That's one of the concerns that's been brought up. And also, a lot of surgeons are reluctant to introduce it until they see the results of the randomized control trial. And then, uh, and, and I think I'd, I had um, asked previously, and with regards to the the side effects, you haven't seen any major side effects from, from this, have you? No, not a single reported side effect. It's been um, very, very well tolerated, which is actually in line with what the literature has shown. And one of the reasons that the dye is um, increasingly used across uh across specialties. So then what are the, um, what are the next steps in, in your work? I understand there's an area two study in the plants. Um, what, what are the details of that study? Yeah, so the, um, that's correct. The area two study is going to be a randomized multi-institutional trial of patients undergoing, again, a specifically erectoid sigmoid resection during cytoreductive surgery. And this time will be specifically for advanced ovarian cancer. And the objective of that study is going to be to really determine whether the use of this technology to assess perfusion at the time of rectosigmoid anastomosis truly reduces the risk of postoperative leaks um, when compared to patients who receive the standard interoperative assessments alone. So all patients enrolled will have undergone the rectosigmoid resection via the surgeon's usual technique that won't change, and a standard anastomotic assessment will be performed. And then prior to the randomization, surgeons will document whether they plan to perform a diverting ostomy after assessing the anastomosis. And following satisfactory standard assessment and documentation of the plan, that's when we'll randomize the patient intraoperatively to undergo an additional assessment with the use of the technology of ICG. And then time to ICG visualization will be recorded, as well as the outcome of the assessment. And they will be defined as either satisfactory satisfactory with avoidance of previously planned diverting ileostomy or unsatisfactory necess necessitating change in surgical plan. So the addition of an unplanned ostomy or the redo of an anastomosis altogether. And Leah, how many patients are you anticipating on putting into this study? About 600 patients. Okay. And are you limiting the uh, institutions to the United States, or is this open to potentially collaborators from international institutions? So it will be actually an, interna an international study. Um, we're already in the talks with uh, other hospitals in Germany and in other nations as well. Okay. Well, it's been absolutely a pleasure. I congratulate you, obviously, on, on so much work already. Um, and uh, I just was wondering if you had to, any uh, closing remarks you would like to make. Well, thank you again, you know, for inviting me to be here and uh, to do this podcast. You know, hopefully for patients undergoing surgical debulking for gynecological malignancy that are going to require these rectosigmoid resections, you know, our data indicates the use of this technology to assess these, these uh, anastomoses may improve post-operative outcomes, um, which would be a, b a huge benefit to these patients. 
um, when they're performed, you know, in addition to the traditional bubble leak test and the surgeon visual assessment. So ultimately, as I've mentioned throughout the podcast, only a randomized control trial will really be able to assess the benefit of NIR imaging with ICG uh, for erectosigmoid anastomosis, and we really look forward to launching the ARIA-2 study in the future. And I would just like to thank Dr. Zivanovic, who uh, is really leading this work and allowed me to be a part of this. Yes, uh, I think it's a great study, and uh, you should all be extremely proud of, uh, of the work you're doing, and certainly we look forward to hopefully collaborating with you on that study as well. Thank you very much, Leah. Thank you.